Hello, online family. My name is Matthew Malik, and I'm the lead pastor here at Refuge. We are so incredibly glad that you chose to tune in to the Refuge official podcast today. We believe the message you are about to hear will inspire you in a very meaningful way. We believe the Lord is ready and willing to do a great work in your life. And we believe that you'll hear from him today. Please enjoy. Let's join our faith together as we do that. Heavenly Father, we we take this time to acknowledge you as we prepare to open up the scriptures. Father, we thank you for the word of truth. Father, for giving us understanding and revelation of what we see in your word. Father, we pray that you give to us a spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of you, that the eyes of our understanding would be enlightened. In Jesus' name, we give you praise, glory, and honor. Amen. So, as we begin this message, actually last week we started in the brand new series entitled Foundations. And and Sam Schneider did an excellent job uh, opening up this series, talking about the two places that the Scripture acknowledges where we can build a foundation, on the rock or on the sand. And so we see that contrast in the scriptures. Uh, and so we're going to continue to, to build from last week's message. And today we're going to look in particular at faith. But before we do, I want to look at this thing called foundation a, a little more. Uh, everything that we build that is meant to endure or last is built on a foundation. And hopefully a good foundation, a solid foundation. Without a foundation, what is built cannot stand or cannot last. It will eventually fall or crumble. So when we look at foundation, foundation is a starting place. It's a place of origin. It's a place to begin. And uh, I believe that all of us have a sense that we want to build something of significance with our life. And to do so, we need the proper foundation. We need the right foundation. Isaiah chapter 28, verse 16, and you can write this down. We'll be turning to some scriptures, but some you can write down and look at them later. And I'm reading from the New Living Translation when we look at Isaiah 28, 16. It says, therefore, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Look, in other words, observe, take notice. I am placing a foundation stone in Jerusalem. A firm and tested stone. It is a precious cornerstone that is safe to build on. Whoever believes need never be shaken. So the sovereign Lord of the universe is saying there is a stone, a foundation that you need to build upon. And if you build upon that foundation, you'll never be shaken. By the tests, the trials, the situations and circumstances that we face in life, you will be firmly rooted and built and established upon that foundation. Now, build your house on the rock, okay? Uh, now, in Wisconsin, we have this place. It's called House on the Rock. You ever, ever been there? That house is literally built on this rock, and you can go visit it. You can look at it, and, you know, it's, that's a house to look at, right? Anyway, <laughs> uh, the house on the rock. But Jesus is the rock that we build our lives upon because your life is like a house, and that's the parallel, the comparative that we see here in Scripture. 
And so build your house on the rock. And so Jesus contrasts two types of foundations in Matthew 7, the sand and then the one built on the rock. In, in verse uh, 24 of Matthew 7 and verse 25, we want to just reflect back on that and feel free to turn there if, if you can. And we're reading, reading from the English Standard Version. Matthew 7, 24 and 25. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. Verse 25. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. Now, now let me just say this. The rain, the wind, the elements, the flood, all of these things will challenge every house that's built at some point of time. Okay, these are elements that a house or a building will encounter. And in Sam's message, you know, we, we need to understand when he shared this, it's those who act on the word, the doers of the word are those who build their house on the rock. We see that in verse 24. And so the question I have for you this morning, are you a doer of the word of God? Do you take seriously the words that Jesus spoke? And are you willing to act upon them and obey them? I believe that this is a determining factor in our lives. In fact, uh, before you leave here today, you have to make a determination whether or not you will be a doer of the word of God or not. So I, I want to challenge you to make that quality decision to be a doer of the word, not just a hearer. And, and in fact, James chapter 1, verse 22, the scripture reads, But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. My challenge to you is don't risk being deceived today. Because if you just hear the message, if you just hear the word without some corresponding action, you will open up the door to self-deception. So my challenge, be a doer of the word. Because when you hear the word, let me tell you this. The word of God gives you power to act, power to respond, and actually live out what he has spoken to us. That's why the scripture tells us that his commandments, his commandments are not burdensome. They're not beyond what we can uh, faithfully fulfill. Because it's his strength, it's his grace, it's his enablement that allows us to act out the word of God and put it into practice in our life, okay? And so, now that may require some of you to make some changes. Because if you're going to be a doer of the word, that means you need to stop doing some other things, okay? And it's, it's repositioning, refocusing, recalibrating, so that you begin to live out the living word of God. The word of God is alive, it's active, it's powerful. It's a force that cannot be reckoned with in the universe. The word of God is what God has spoken, what he's breathed, what he's declared. And it is what empowers us, delivers us, and allows us to live this life to his glory. Amen. Uh, there's so much more we can say about this. Um, even in the Old Testament, the scripture refers to being doers of the word. In Isaiah 42, verse 20, 
in the New Living Translation. It says, you see and recognize what is right, but refuse to act on it. Wow. You hear with your ears, but you don't really listen. See, we have a listening deficit. People say, well, I heard that. Well, when are you going to act on it? When are you going to obey what the Word of God has said? Because in obedience is where your life begins to take on a whole new dimension. And to live a life of obedience uh, allows you to be positioned to receive so much more from God. And so that you can walk in the blessing and the provision that he's made available. So what is the foundation you are building your life upon? What is the foundation you're building your life upon? 1 Corinthians 3.11 states this. For no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the foundation that's already been laid. And that's just where we need to camp out. And that's where we need to build upon the foundation of Jesus. He's given us the perfect and best foundation that we can build upon. Amen? That's good news. I don't have to build my own foundation. Um, I can build upon the foundation of the person of Jesus Christ by being in relationship with him. Now, uh, again, just say this out loud. Jesus is my foundation. Make that declaration. Jesus is my foundation. And the devil better hear that. Amen. He doesn't like that. He doesn't like the fact that Jesus is your foundation. But that is true reality for every believer. Amen. All right. Uh, in my life, I have learned a lot about foundations in the natural. The first house I purchased, which is only about six blocks from here, only two houses down from where uh, Michaela, my daughter and son-in-law, bought their first home. And that house, it was before the days of building inspectors. Uh, I was uh, fed, a, give, given a bill of sale. In other words, I was told that because I noticed some things about the floors in the house, a little bit uneven, and uh, the realtor said, it's been taken care of. There was a beam put under this. There was some foundational structural work done. You're good to go. And I said, okay. After being in the house for about six months, the floor started to sag further and creak more. And I began to do some more investigation in that crawl space I looked under there. And it was a nightmare. I realized that I, I had to hire a contractor and an engineer to do some work under that house so that it wouldn't internally collapse because it was all, all kind of like sinking in the middle. Everything was kind of sinking in the middle. And I'm thinking, okay, God, this is not good. This house is not built on the right foundation. Uh, long story short, if you can drive by in West Wilson today, that house no longer exists. It was eventually torn down because it began to break up because of a faulty foundation. And... Um, I got a little wise since my first house purchase. <laughs> first of all, I'm never going to buy a house with just a crawl space, not in Wisconsin anyway. It's got to have a basement, and I need to be able to inspect that basement for cracks and everything else, okay? And so, um, and then over the years here, we built this building, and I got some really not too good news from the contractor when they began to excavate the building. They said, Pastor, uh, 
this building or this parking lot, because there was a parking lot here before, was actually built over a um, dump. It's a dump. Yeah, this was a dump site. People would dump garbage in here and all kinds of things. I said, well, that's great. Uh, um, the owner didn't tell us about that when we bought this. <laughs> okay. And so, needless to say, they said, we have to dig all that stuff out before we can lay the footings and the foundation so that when we build this auditorium, it will stand for a long time. Okay, standing today, that's been almost 30 years ago, right? Uh, yeah, 30. Look at the, uh, there's a cornerstone outside. You can look at that yourself, I think. 88 or whatever, we built this, 89. Anyway, uh, so they had to take out 150 dump truck loads of rubble in garbage. There were tree stumps, there were car doors, there was all kinds of interesting things buried under the parking lot that was here. And so they had to do that and then replace it with some good ground, compact it before they could lay the footings. And so... Uh, thank God that was done. That was a, a nightmare. Nightmare number two, anyway. Uh, other than my first house. But uh, then, uh, fast forwarding, the house we built, uh, the last house we built, because we built a couple homes, we literally built it on bedrock. On this west side of the river, there's a lot of bedrock. And so, uh, when the excavators started digging, they hit the bedrock pretty soon, and they said, uh, Got some bad news for you, Pastor. I said, just give it to me, okay? <laughs> he said, um, uh, we cannot dig any deeper because we have reached the bedrock. So if we're going to build this house, you need to hire a team to come in and do some explosive stuff, some uh, demolition. Oh, okay. My kids were excited about that. We had this big sign out front um, um, explosive material, um, demolition, and uh, whatever. What was it? I forget what the sign read. Dynamite. Okay. Anyway, we had to blast to get our uh, home in and get the footings leveled. But our house is literally built on solid bedrock. I like that now. So we, I don't have to be concerned about the flood and all that. But so foundation is important. Um, and I don't know why I showed all that. Maybe it makes a good story or something. But, but knowing that in the natural, there's parallels to the spiritual. And Jesus is our eternal rock, as I said, that we build upon. In fact, he is the rock that doesn't roll. Okay. Those of you that are into rock and roll, okay. Uh, Isaiah 26, verses 3 and 4 it says, you keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Verse 4 goes on to say, trust in the Lord forever for the Lord God is an everlasting rock. We can trust in him. Isaiah 33 verse 6 says, in that day he will be your sure foundation providing a rich Store of salvation, wisdom, and knowledge. The fear of the Lord will be your treasure. Those are just some verses that reinforce and confirm this whole thing about 
building on the right foundation and that he is our foundation. Now, from this point on, I want to talk about faith, the foundation of faith, okay? And uh, Wednesday nights, we're actually doing a series with John Bevere with Messenger International. So in our Wednesday night study in the green room, we're talking about the subject of faith. And feel free to join us for that if you can. Um, So, so many of us are confused to what faith is. Faith is simply believing ability. It's your ability to believe. It's, or in fact, um, yeah, the ability to believe. That's, that's what faith is in its simplest definition. Turn with me to Hebrews 11, chapter 1, and we're going to be reading 1 through 3. Hebrews 11, chapter 1. I mean, Hebrews chapter 11, verses 1 through 3. And I'm reading from the New King James Version in this particular verse. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it, the people of old receive their commendation. And notice verse 3. By faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. In other words, this physical world was made out of what is invisible. What that tells us is that the visible world, because uh, it came second, is not as real as the invisible world which preceded this physical world, okay? And, and so we could get into a lot of that, a lot more discussion on that, but we're going to move along. But know that faith produces something in this natural realm. In fact, it brings it out of the spiritual realm, okay? A faith is the substance, or we could say assurance, the confidence, the certainty, being sure of things hoped for. And we've shared with you in previous weeks when we've been talking about hope is that hope is confident expectation. Without hope, your faith has no substance. Hope gives your faith substance. It gives it a target. It gives it a destination. It gives it a goal. It gives it an objective, a purpose, or a path. And so what we want to talk about, I have three points for you this morning is about faith's foundation. We want to talk about faith's foundation in your life. It's so important that you have a foundation of faith in your life. And point number one, faith is always present. Faith is always present. Um, when we read Hebrews 11.1, 1, we, can, we can actually read it like this, now faith is. Um, or we could revert that and say, faith is now. Faith is present, okay? Uh, faith is foundational to following Jesus and receiving salvation. And we see that in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8. For by grace you have been saved through faith, And this is not from your own doing. It is the gift of God. Now, we can see this in two ways, that salvation is a gift from God, but also the faith you received 
to get saved is a gift from God, okay? So we can assume from reading this that faith is a gift that God gives us. Realize that faith is always present. It brings the reality of God into our present world. It's the only way we can receive from God. It's the only way we can receive salvation. We're saved by faith. If you can't get saved by doing good works. You can't receive salvation by any other means other than faith. And faith is putting your trust in God that what he said he would do for you. Again, now faith is, but faith is now. Faith has substance. In fact, faith is like a title deed. Uh, if you own a piece of property, um, with that piece of property, you have a title deed, which gives you proof of ownership. Now, you may not actually see that, prop that property at this moment, but the fact that you have a title deed is proof that you own it. And so maybe you're with somebody and, and, and you're saying, well, I own this piece of property over here. And they say, I've never seen it. And how can you prove that you're the owner of it? And you can present them the title deed and say, this is proof that I own this property. The Amplified Bible in the cla classic edition reads this way. We're going to share this with you from Hebrews 11.1. 1. It says, now faith is the assurance the confirmation, the title deed, or we could say proof of ownership, of the things we hope for being the proof of things we do not see and the conviction of the reality. Faith perceiving as real fact what is not revealed to the senses. Are you getting kind of an idea of what faith is as you look at this? Each of these phrases help to describe what faith is. It's knowing that even though you don't see it, that doesn't mean it's not real. See, uh, I can parallel it to this. Th there was a time in my life when I uh, had made a commitment to Jesus Christ, but I doubted my salvation. Sometimes I felt like, well, um, I don't know that I'm really saved uh, I was basing it on my performance, uh, not on the finished work of the cross. But then as I began to grow in my walk with God and study the scriptures, I began to come to a place where I absolutely knew that the moment I die, I immediately would be ushered into the presence of God. I did not doubt or have any kind of concern or fear that I'd go to hell. I had complete assurance that when I die, I'm going to be with Jesus. I'm going to heaven. Now, how can I prove that? Have I ever seen heaven? No. How do you know it's there? Um, well, the Bible says so. Um, so people could say, so Pastor Matt, you are telling me that when you die, you're going to go to a place that you've never seen. You don't even know where it is. We all go up, but if you're living on the other side of the world, then that's down. <laughs> Where is this place? But yet you believe you're going to go there? Yes, I do. With absolute conviction and knowing that when I die, now what do I base that on? I base it on what is written. I base it on the truth of what's been spoken. 
in the word of God, okay? And so that's that kind of helps us understand this thing called faith, okay, a little bit. Now, when we function by faith, we see the impossible made possible. Through faith, we can bridge the eternal to the temporal, the supernatural to the natural, and the realm of the kingdom of God into this physical earthly realm. Faith is always present. God lives in the eternal now and makes himself known as the great I am. See, faith is the substance of things hoped for. Faith sees things that don't exist as if they already are. It perceives as fact and reality that which does not presently exist. So that's why faith can be confusing because some people say, I won't believe it until I see it. Did you know that faith says the opposite? Faith says, I believe it, therefore I will see it. Right? So we have to abandon that mentality, I won't believe it till I see it. Because faith says, I believe it, therefore I will see it. Okay? So how does faith differ from hope? Well, hope is confident expectation, while faith is a steadfast trust and confidence in God that what he said is true. So let's say you're facing a lot of bills this month, and you don't have a paycheck that will even cover half of your bills. And you're sitting there saying, okay, what are we going to do? Well, is there a promise that's associated with that present dilemma that you're facing? Yes, there is. Philippians 4.19 says, But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory through Christ Jesus. So faith, when we put our faith in that promise, we can begin to trust that God, I don't know how you're going to do it, but you're going to meet and supply this need. Okay, that's just one example of applying a promise of God. Faith appropriates every promise of God. See, we have access by faith into this grace, according to Romans 5.2. Point number two. So what is point number one? Faith is always present. Okay? Faith is always present. Amen. Um, point number two is faith is the only way we can please God. Faith is the only way we can please God. See, it is our means to encounter him, to experience him. Hebrews 11.6, let's look at that. Hebrews 11.6. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. Now, we actually see two aspects of believing in this particular passage. The first is you believe that he exists. And that, then secondly, you believe that he rewards those that seek him, those that search him out. In fact, one translation says those who diligently seek him. So we believe in his existence, and we believe that he's a rewarder that he wants to do something significant in our life to save us, to help us, to deliver us. 
He's for us, not against us. See, that's the mentality that changed uh, from when I was young. I did not think that God was for me. I thought he was out to get me. How many of you had that kind of mentality? I better not mess up because God's going to get me. We better watch out. God's going to get you. You know, quit that stuff. And we were living under this condemnation that God was trying to find fault, find wrong, and he's going to judge us and deal with us, and we are toast, okay? <laughs> but God longs to reward us, to bless us. We are his creation, whom he loves. And so it's trying to fathom and comprehend his incredible love for us, which is beyond what we can understand, okay? So faith is vitally important in the life of every believer because without faith, we cannot please God because faith not only makes it possible to have a relationship with him, it also gives us access to all of his promises, okay? Faith pleases God. In fact, throughout the Gospels, nothing pleased Jesus more than those who had faith, okay? Uh, conversely, nothing displeased him more than those uh, that had unbelief and didn't believe and didn't have faith. We see those two times where Jesus marveled in the Scriptures. He marveled at the faith of those who believed, and he marveled at the unbelief of those who didn't believe. He marveled at the faith of a Roman centurion who went to Jesus on behalf of his servant in Matthew 10, actually Matthew 8:10, the scripture reads, and when Jesus heard this, he marveled and said to those who followed him, truly I tell you that no one in Israel have I found such faith. He marveled because this man believed that Jesus could heal his servant by simply speaking the word. Okay? And then in Mark 10, 52, Jesus said to them, and this was when he went to his own hometown. He's preaching, hey, I'm home, boys. Okay? This is my hometown. Um, I'm the Messiah. I'm going to share some things with you. And uh, if there's any sick, if there's anybody that needs a miracle, uh, Jesus shows up in his hometown. Okay? Notice what it says in in Mark 10, 52, and Jesus said to him, oh, wait, that's, that's not the verse, okay? That's not the verse. Let me find that verse, okay? Okay, it's here somewhere. Okay. Oh, there it is. I got the right verse. It's Mark chapter 6, verse 6. It says, and he marveled because of the unbelief, and he went about among the villages, teaching. So he was rejected at his hometown. They say, Isn't this the carpenter's son? You know, didn't we grow up with this guy? Who does he think he is? You know, and so because of their unbelief, he could there do no mighty work because their unbelief limited Jesus from performing miracles. See, we need to ask ourselves the question. And coming off this uh, time of 21 days of prayer in January, you know what God challenged me? The, with the greatest. He challenged me by speaking to my heart, saying, don't limit me. Don't limit what I can do in your life. Because so many times we're limiting God. So I want to take the limits off God and say, God, whatever you want to do, do in my life. 
So purpose in your heart, not to limit him. And, and we're so, uh, so often we have that tendency to do that. And so, and then another verse, and we can, I can share this now, Mark 10, 52. Jesus said to him, go your way. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him on the way. So even a blind man, because he had faith in Jesus and put his trust in him, received his eyesight. So point number three, faith is how we live. Faith is how we live. Okay, should we go over them again? Point number one, faith is always present. Point number two, faith is the only way that we can please God. And point number three, faith is how we now live. It's how we live. Romans 1, 16 and 17 says, For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. Verse 17 goes on to say, For it is the righteousness of God, or for the, in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. See, faith is progressive. And righteousness is simply being made right with God, his right nature that he wants us to be impacted by, okay? And then it goes on to say, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. And the just is in reference to those who put their faith and trust in Jesus, okay? The just shall live by faith. We see this as a charge direct from Scripture. Uh, the Apostle Paul in Galatians 2 verse 20 makes this declaration. I have been crucified with Christ. He identifies with Jesus in his death. Okay, It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And notice what it goes on to say. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So he lived his life by faith in Jesus Christ. We're called to live this life of faith. You see, another verse, I'll give you a bonus one. Is that okay? Galatians 3.11, it says, Now it is evident that no one is justified before God by the law, for the righteous shall live by faith. If you're right with God, if you want to be right with God, you must live by faith. So uh, this is a statement, and, and you can write this down. A number of years ago, the Lord gave this to me, and that is, faith is a means to live in this limited life in an unlimited way. Mark 9.23 says, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. Jesus, I believe he challenged us with that statement. If we can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. 2 Corinthians 5, 7 says, For we walk by faith and not by sight. We walk by faith and not by sight. We're often moved by what we see. That's what usually gives us fear and doubt. But if we're walking by faith, I believe that's the sixth sense because it, allow, it allows us to see beyond the natural circumstance. It allows us to embrace the promise of God that God's given to us in his word. And so if we're walking by faith, we don't necessarily be moved by what we see with our eyes. Now, you might say, we're not ostriches who stick our head in the sand. No, we're not. 
because some people can get foolish, but I believe that we can be in faith with a solid backing and conviction from the Word of God because there's this thing called faith, foolishness, and presumption. Sometimes people are presuming something, and they're not really in faith. And sometimes they're just, you know, uh, acting out in the way that's not truly biblical, sound, and founded in the truth of the Bible, okay? And um, so, a couple other things before we close that I want to share. And let me, if you're taking notes, you might want to write that down. Again, that uh, statement, faith is a means to live in this limited life in an unlimited way. What can you believe God for? What can you trust him for? Because when you begin to uh, believe God and exercise your faith, God gets excited. He's pleased because without faith, it's impossible to please him. Now, to grow in faith, you have to hear the word of God because Romans ten seventeen says, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Now, notice what that doesn't say. It doesn't say, so faith comes by having heard. No, it says faith comes by hearing. It's present tense. To have a fresh revelation of the word of God right now. Not based on what you heard yesterday, last week, last month, but what you're hearing right now. What is the spirit of God speaking to you through the word of God? That's how faith comes. Now, you might say, well, I struggle in this area in my life. I, I'm dealing with sickness and disease. A spirit of infirmity is over my life, and, and I can't ever seem to get healthy and whole. Well, you know what I would recommend you do? Begin to research every scripture in the Bible that addresses the subject of healing and begin to read those scriptures, speak them out loud, and begin to hear what the Word of God says pertaining to healing. And I believe that you begin to walk in a place where you can receive um, the health and healing in your physical body to overcome sickness and disease, okay? And so uh, this is simple. If you're dealing with fear and anxiety, then begin to research the scriptures that talk about the peace of God and his strength and trusting him and his guidance, his protective covering over our lives. And that will build your faith to overcome Fear and anxiety. The scripture says God has not given us the spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. Fear doesn't have to torment your life. Fear doesn't have to intimidate you or, or hold you over the barrel, okay, so to speak. And so faith gives us access to God and his promises. In fact, faith activates the power and the promises of God's word. Receiving God's promises is not automatic, they must be activated and received by faith. In fact, faith is simply coming into agreement with God's word so that we can experience his promises in our life. And I want to close with uh, this verse um, before the worship team comes up. 2 Corinthians 4.13. 2 Corinthians 4.13. It says, since we have the same spirit of faith, According to what is written, I believed, and so I spoke. We also believe, and so we also speak. Now, a principle we see in this passage and in the Word of God is, is that your faith 
will always be supported in what you believe. In fact, I can tell what you believe based on what you say out of your mouth. If you're always speaking fear and doubt, your faith is in things other than the Word of God. See, I don't put my faith in the economy because the economy is going up and down, okay? Or the stock market, you know. Um, but if you put your faith in the Word of God, you have the promise that He will take care of you, regardless of what's happening in the stock market, okay? And we can parallel this to a lot of things. But very often, the testimony of what you believe is what is spoken on your lips. If I'm dealing with physical illness and infirmity or sickness, the testimony on my lips is going to be, I thank you, Father, that according to your word, by your stripes, I am healed. Now, am I dealing with symptoms? I may be. But I'm, speak, I'm going to speak what the word of God says. Because the word of God is powerful. And it can change the condition of a sick body when we put our faith in the promise of God, okay? This morning, I want to extend an invitation to everyone out there, those that are watching the live stream. And that is an invitation to make your peace with God. One of the things that's important is, is understanding that at some point in our life, we have to make a choice. Are we going to put our faith in Jesus or not? And I want to extend to you an invitation to put your trust in Jesus. Maybe you've never really made a heartfelt, meaningful commitment to Jesus to trust Him, to be your Lord and your Savior. Savior. Maybe you've gone to church. Maybe you've tried to live a good life. Maybe you've tried to do good. But all of that is meaningless without a personal relationship with Jesus. At the age of 17, my older brother sat down with me and he talked to me about Jesus. And he talked to me about Jesus like he actually knew him. He had made a commitment to Jesus sometime before and now he was sharing with me his experience with Jesus. And he told me that I could know him too if I'd put my faith in him and trust him and receive him as my personal Lord and Savior. And that was May 22nd, many years ago, 1974, okay? That kind of dates me. When I surrendered my heart and life to Jesus, he led me in a believer's prayer where I put my faith in Jesus Christ and trusted Him as my Lord and my Savior. Romans 10, 8 through 10, gives us a Bible understanding of how we are saved. Straight from the scripture, Romans 8, I mean Romans 10, starting at verse 8, it says, but what does it say? The word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. The word of faith which we preach. Verse 9, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus 
and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. We stand for with the heart one believes unto righteousness, which means right standing with God. And with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Now this confession is not necessarily a confession of sin, but it's confession of the Lordship of Jesus. It's believing in in your heart and confessing with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, personalizing it in your life. I want you to stand together with me. Thank you, Jesus. And I just want you at this time to bow your head. You hear, you say, Pastor, you know, I don't know that my life is right with God. If I were to die, there's uncertainty. I don't know whether I'd go to heaven or hell. You may even be under the impression that there is no hell. I wouldn't recommend that because you may be in for a shot. But if you're here and you say, Pastor, would you pray for me? Because I'm ready and willing at this time to acknowledge Jesus, to confess him as my Lord, to surrender my life to him, to turn from my sins, to repent from how I lived, and to from this day forward commit to serve God and to live for for Him. If that's you this morning, lift your hand. Say, Pastor, would you pray for me? Jesus. It's really a moment and a time to get right with Him. Maybe you've drifted away from God and and now you sense Him calling you to, to get things right. This is your moment to receive his forgiveness and to be restored and to right fellowship with him. Thank you, Jesus. Let's pray this prayer together. Repeat after me if you would. Heavenly Father, I come before you in the name of Jesus. I acknowledge that I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. Thank you for sending Jesus to die on the cross for me. I believe he died and rose again to give me life. He took my sins and has offered me forgiveness. Lord Jesus, I believe in my heart and I confess with my mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my life and be my Lord and my Savior. I receive you now in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Now I pray for everyone, Father, under the sound of my voice. And I pray, Lord, that you would meet them, that you would encounter them, that you would show yourself strong on their behalf. We thank you for the blood of Jesus that cleanses from all unrighteousness. We thank you for forgiveness, even in this moment. I thank you that you said if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. Let old things pass away and all things become new. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Remain standing. We're going to close the service in the song. And the prayer team is going to be up in a moment. Uh, and we encourage those that desire prayer, if you responded by raising your hand to receive the Lord. Um, 
please come to the front. We have um, some stuff we want to give you. We want to help connect you so you can begin to grow in your journey with God. Or if you have any other need, God wants to meet you. Thank you so much again for tuning in to the Refuge Official Podcast. We hope that this message spoke to you in a very meaningful way and that you were able to receive from the Lord today. If you chose to give your life to Jesus today or would like to find more of our content, we would love for you to get connected with us on our website at wearerefuge.net. Be blessed and have an amazing week.